This is the EWN Podcast Network. Welcome to Lead Without Limits, the podcast that explores how your mind and soul energy, together with your actions and intentions, impact your leadership presence and bring heart and consciousness into your life. Join your host, certified business and life coach, Stefania Rigo, as she brings you stimulating conversations with women who lead in business in their community. And as she gives you the wisdom you need to help shape the future of society and our planet. Now here's your host, Stefania. Hello, everyone. Thank you for tuning in today. I am very excited about today's guest and the conversation we're about to have. I met Tamara Hurl recently at a networking event, and I knew immediately that I wanted her as a guest on this podcast, and I'm thrilled she accepted my invitation. Tamara is a licensed professional counselor who has transitioned from a traditional therapeutic practice that left her disillusioned and burned out to developing programs and services to help people tap into guidance and transform their own lives. She owns a beautiful eight and a half acre property called Wild Divine Retreat Center near Colorado Springs, Colorado, where she offers transformational guidance and forest therapy retreats. Today, Tamara and I are going to have a conversation about inviting creativity and spirituality into the workplace. I am so excited to have you as a guest, Tamara. Welcome. Thank you so much. I'm delighted to be here, Stefania. My pleasure. So let's get started. Let me ask you, how did you become interested in bringing spirituality into the workplace? Well, I had returned to work at a community mental health center where I had worked previously. And I noticed right away when I got into the center that, well, things had changed a lot. I think I had been gone for maybe eight years. Um, But the atmosphere had really changed. And I started trying to understand why. So I became friends with the chaplain or of the organization. And he said that he felt like the soul of the organization had died. And that just really struck me. I thought, wow, I, first of all, I never thought about an organization having a soul. But when he said that, it, it made sense to me. There were lots of changes happening. Of course, that's common in, in mental health anyway. But the changes were just happening so fast and and the employees, not all of them, but some of them were feeling very stressed out and and burned out. And I knew that I wanted to do something to help change the situation. I was very fortunate because I had a supervisor who was very supportive and innovative and and she was wonderful because she always built on my, my strengths. She knew what I loved to do. She knew what I was good at. And she always encouraged me to, to use those strengths. 
So I approached her first and I said, I want to, I want to do something to help this situation. I just feel like people are really struggling. And so I started researching different materials around the topic of bringing spirituality into the workplace. And I found a wonderful organization called the International Association for, for Spirituality in the Workplace. And I started networking with them and found some wonderful ideas. And then I also used um, Julia Cameron's book. Um, she has the one that's called The Artist's Way, but she also mm -hmm. has one called The Artist's Way at Work. And I didn't, I had no idea that the, that, that book was available. So I, using the information from that book and also my background as an art therapist and expressive arts practitioner, and then the information that I got from the International Center for Spirituality in the Workplace. I put together a 12-week program that was open to all em employees at all levels. So even, you know, from the frontline workers um, to the leadership team. And we implemented the program. They completed some work on their own in between sessions, mostly to read the chapters from the book. And then we would discuss what happened, what they thought about what they'd read. And we would engage in experiential activities. I, I'll never forget one of them. So a project that I developed, I call it reverse weaving. And you take a square of burlap and you pull threads out of it to represent things that um, are lost. Or in this case, I said, think about the parts of yourself that you don't bring to the workplace and pull some threads out to represent that. And this one person pulled so many threads out of her little square of burlap that it could be, it was so flimsy and it could barely stay together. And I just thought, wow, you, you know, you're really bringing, leaving a lot of what's important about you uh -huh. um, at home. And some people talked about things that they purposely left at home, which, you know, that makes sense. Sure. Um, the second part of that directive was for people to weave back, you know, if you could bring these aspects of yourself into the workplace, then what would that look like? So they wove th things back into the spaces that were left when they pulled those threads out. And it was really fun to see what people did. One of the therapists um, was a musician. And so she started bringing her guitar to work and playing it in her sessions. People started doing things like staying on top of their paperwork because when in a well, in any, any therapy practice, if you don't do your paperwork, you don't get paid. So this was causing problems for the organization as well, because people were so burnt out, they were putting off doing their paperwork. And they started, they said that they felt inspired after our sessions. And it wasn't just a, it was a place where people could talk about their concerns. But the second part of every um, directive also said, okay, so how can we solve this? So it was a problem solving um, exploration as well. Fabulous. So I love it. Um, so was the leadership that was brave, courageous, and vulnerable and admitted they'd actually lost the quote unquote soul of the organization, right? Were the leadership uh, part of all of the programs in all of the doing the same exercises in the same meetings and trainings and sessions as uh, the rest of the staff was? So was the entire organization participating? 
No. There was a person from Human Resources that came to a few of the sessions. There was, I was very excited that one of the psychiatrists participated in many of the sessions. And it was interesting to see the pieces that she brought. The CEO of the organization was, at least she was supportive, you know, because my supervisor said to go to talk to the CEO. And I did, and she's, she gave the go ahead. She didn't actively participate. And another thing that I was not pleased about was that I wanted it to be part of this program to be part of the workday so that employees would be paid to attend. And she, she wouldn't go for that, but she did. It was so people had to take part over their lunch hour, uh-huh. but at least they, they, so that, you know, that took even more of a commitment for them to exactly to exactly. give up their work hour. But the pieces they made were so interesting. I remember there was one project where they depicted I think there was, it was called Currents and Subcurrents is what it was called. This did come from the Artist's Way at, at Work book. I adapted it, but they, what they depicted was a lot of people falling off of a cliff and getting stuck in the mud. <laughs> and I thought, oh my gosh, that's horrible. It is. Um, the problem solving thing was that they showed um, some people, uh, they worked this in this for this project, I had them work with a partner and they showed some people were being lifted out by parachutes. And I said, well, what, you know, what things are like that in the organization? And they said, well, programs like this, you know, it helps us feel like we're, we have some hope and we have a way out. I remember um, I had them make a mural um, and, and the theme of the mural was the forest that is blank, you know, the name of the organization. And it was so interesting because they showed, you know, there were still some wonderful things about the organization and they showed that but they also showed things like um, they put a river in there and they, and they showed some people had fallen overboard. And the um, one person put a big snarling bear in, in the mural and also a dinosaur. I'll never forget that because she said, it's like there's a dinosaur mentality. Some people, just, they just won't see things any other way, won't or can't. So it was just very eye-opening and so exciting to see people being able to express themselves and talk freely about their concerns. The most wonderful thing at towards the end was that um, partly because of this program and then also because of another one that the chaplain was doing, the organization did win an international award for spirituality in, in the work, bringing spirituality in the workplace. So that was very exciting. That is um, rewarding. It was. The CEO was invited to the to the award ceremony, she didn't go, but I, but I went. Hmm. So uh, that's interesting. I don't want to spend too much time talking about the CEO, but I often look at leadership as um, um, not just top down, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so here's an example to where the leadership did approve the program even though they weren't participating, the the C-suite, so to speak, the very top. Um, And what it shows is that when company culture doesn't come from the top down, it self-generates in some way, right? So regardless of whether it's official or not, uh, every 
um, community, whether it's a workplace or family or hobby community forms a culture around itself. That's just part of our tribal experience, right? And it's usually based around values and what's okay, what's not okay, and hopefully a more expansive, also creative, you know, and spiritual approach to it. Um, what I find interesting is how here you took leadership with the chaplain, the chaplain uh, identified the problem, you took leadership, and then each participant had an opportunity to take leadership in redefining the culture, naming what wasn't working, and identifying through their own time on their own lunch hour, in their own way, the need for uh, a new culture. And that uh, kind of regenerative and, and self-driven leadership that we all bring to our own lives and our workplace has nothing to do with your title and whether you're in the C-suite or not, right? Correct, right. And I used to, because I was in mid-level management at, um, at that organization, and there were several instances where things happened where I felt like I needed to... Um, advocate for the, it was the expressive arts department. And I would just tell the people that I supervised, you know, at least we can speak up. We may not get the results that we want in the end, but I think we'll feel better if we at least speak up for what we want. And I remember someone from the top level said that they, they defined it as quiet leadership. They said, you have, you have a quiet, quiet kind of leadership. So Awesome. Uh, quiet can be very powerful. It isn't those, uh, because it's really not about talking, it's about doing, right? It's about showing up and leading by example and leading in service. Mm -hmm. So I find it especially important in this day and age that um, women, uh, not at the exclusion of men, of course, we always want men at the table and part of the conversation. But in this case, since we're talking about um, a, a women's podcast, and I'm a woman's coach, um, the whole idea that as women, I think we're in a unique space of um, sen uh, sensitivity, uh, to bringing spirituality and creativity into the workplace. Um, we don't have all those leadership, ex we have them, but not as much as men do, the construct of what leadership means in a traditional sense, right? We, in a way, get to come in and um, at this moment in time in history, have an opportunity to redefine um, so I find that as, as a leader in my own life and uh, in my business, that I give myself permission to bring spirituality into the workplace. And it actually, I find it's a, a very important conversation to be having now. So how, besides through the creative process, which I'd love for you to expand on, on how the creative brings spirituality in, right? Um, are there any other ways you identified that, that we can bring spirituality into, into the workplace through nature, through, I know you're, you do a lot of, uh, you, you, you go into forest 
therapy retreats. So talk to me, talk to the audience and, and me a little bit more about that. I know that I have always found solace in nature. When I was a child, we lived next to an open space and I would spend hours just walking and walking in the meadows in Kansas. And I always felt supported and, and nurtured when I would do that. Even when I was at the organization that I told you about where I was doing the project, they had beautiful grounds and I would go and walk there in nature over the lunch hour. And I think that when we do that, we can just feel this sense of unconditional love and acceptance. I mean, Mother Nature doesn't judge us and say, you know, why, why, what are you doing here? Why haven't you, what, you've been gone for a month and you're just now coming back? You know, <laughs> nature doesn't do that. Nature just greets us and is so welcoming when, when we go out there. And nature is always there. So I think just that unconditional acceptance can really help us feel connected to spirituality. I like to take things from nature into my office or whatever space I'm working with people if it's not outdoors. So I think just bringing something in like a pine cone or a rock, and a lot of times I will hold a rock just to help me stay grounded when I'm working with people, or sitting next to a house plant, or even remembering a time when you were in nature and you felt very supported can help you to feel that connection. Or there's a practice where we have people imagine that you're sending heartstrings out to nature and maybe connecting with a tree that's out or a, a bird or something that's outside of the window just can really help you feel connected to that sense of spirituality in the workplace. I think it's very important because when we do that, we can quiet this, the parts of ourselves that are in distress or not functioning up to full capacity and it can help us to become more centered and grounded and more connected to you know just that spark of the divine that i believe is in within each of us yeah uh especially when it comes to guidance i've been thinking a lot about how um as i continue to become more connected with the intuitive heart and redefine intuition. I um, am constantly drawn to doing that in a natural setting, right? Mm -hmm. um, it seems like it brings then that uh, sense that there is something greater than us that that uh, holds us, that protects us, that that, like you said, grounds us. Definitely. I agree. And it's, yeah, it's more like a, in, in art, we talk about there's a worm's eye view where things, especially if we're thinking about a problem, it seems way bigger than us. And then there's eye level where, you know, you can see, okay, this is something I can handle. And then there's the bird's eye view where you see the big picture and you can say, okay, this is really hard right now, but I'm, I'm going to make it through this. And really when I put it in perspective, it's, not something that's, you know, earth shattering. So overwhelming. Right. And I work with, I coach in my practice as a business and leadership coach uh, with a lot of women that are founders and CEO and in leadership positions. And 
um, it's already um, very common to feel isolated in those positions, being responsible for everything and everybody. And add to that COVID and the real isolation, because we're now recording this uh, as we're approaching the one year of shutdown. And it, and it really was outside in nature that we could still feel safe, right? We weren't safe in a restaurant or a bar. We weren't safe in a meeting room networking. We weren't safe even with our family, extended family over the holidays. But we have always had the opportunity in the past year to step outside. And uh, that's been my safe place, really. Even meeting friends, let's do it outside. Mm -hmm. It's easy to be six feet apart when you're outside. <laughs> right, and you can always hug a tree. Always the opportunity comes, you hug a tree. That's right. Oh, I hadn't thought about that, but I have been missing hugging people. Mm -hmm. And I hadn't thought about the fact you can always hug a tree, which I love hugging trees anyway, mm -hmm. but I hadn't thought about that as <laughs> taking the place of the physical uh, contact that we have been told is not safe for us right now. So I know um, that you're, you're working on something new. So tell me about this program you're working on developing to help small business uh, learn how to create a culture of self-led leadership. Sure, I'd love to. Although I have to tell you, it's in the very beginning stages. Great. Well, tell us where it's going. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because I, I just took a leadership training um, class and the instructor said, if, it's, if your dream is big enough, you shouldn't even know how you're going to get there. And I thought, okay, this is what I'd really like to do. And I have no idea of how I'm going to get there. But I know that there have been times, it became so clear to me when I was in community mental health, because I, prior to that point, I had been an adjunct therapist where I was an art therapist, and then they had the primary therapist. And then I, about eight years ago, I became a primary therapist but it was really interesting because there's a lot more pressure, I think, when you're the main therapist. Anyway, I felt that way. And I noticed that a lot of times my, I wasn't showing up the way that I wanted to in the workplace. I just, there were times when I got defensive and just wasn't at my best. So I kept thinking there's got to be a better way. And a couple of years ago, I discovered something called internal family systems or parts work. And I thought, after I stepped away from the organization that I was working with, I thought, wouldn't it have been wonderful if I would have felt safe enough so that when I started showing up in a way that um, was defensive, someone could have gently pointed that out to me and said, hey, Tamara, you you really sounded defensive when you were in that meeting. I wonder what was going on. Can we, I'd love to help you work through this. So that I think it would take someone who, for, you know, for me to know what parts work is and for them to know the leader, you know, my supervisor, or maybe it would be a coworker. And we could talk to each other when we're showing up this way 
And instead of being labeled as, you know, oh, someone who's not up to performance or someone who's, <laughs> I got, I remember I got in trouble at one organization because I was, I just, I'm not, a, I would never make a good poker player. You can always see on my face when I'm not <laughs> happy about something. When you're not happy or things right. are not going well. When I think it's, when I think it's unfair what's being asked of employees, I, it's really hard for me to just put on a happy face and pretend right. like everything's okay. So it would, I just think it would be wonderful if instead of being punished for that, the, a culture could be created where people would just understand, oh, that's just a part of, of the person that's showing up. And we just need to help them get that part on board instead of that part being rebellious and trying to keep, because that's what, you know, that's what was happening. My protector parts were, coming on board and saying, you know, this isn't right. This isn't safe. We need to protect her. So we're not, you know, the way that we're showing up is going to sound anti, you know, anti-management, anti-organization. So that's, so I'm just now starting it right now. I'm reaching out to people. I have been taking a um, parts work class and I did find out over the weekend that there is a, a group that meets every week. So I'm looking forward to getting connected with that. And I'm hoping to find some partners to collaborate with. And I just am really excited about seeing where this can go because, you know, we talk about limiting beliefs and I call, also call them shadow behaviors. And we take our shadows into the workplace with us. When we, when we start acting out or not performing the way that we're supposed to, it's because our shadows are activated. And so to be able to just create a culture that recognizes that. And I feel like it, it's really important that this happen right now because we have, in my opinion, we have so many systems and structures that just aren't working. And right. people, would, people would like to change them, but they don't really know how. So they keep doing the same thing over and over again. Mm -hmm. But when we collaborate with other people who have a passion for change, and especially when we go out into nature, and we, that it helps us connect with the, with consciousness beyond our, even beyond our intuition, with a universal consciousness, then we'll be able to solve these, these dysfunctional um, systems, transform these dysfunctional systems, so that we can create structures and systems that support everybody involved. You know, the frontline workers, the the people that are served by the organizations and the management team so that they don't feel so frustrated because of not knowing what else to do. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Sounds like very powerful work, Tamara. And I can't wait to see what you do with that. I'm so glad that you're imagine you're dreaming big and that you don't even know where it's going to take you and how you're going to do it, because that's what we need to do when we want big change, right? And, and I often tell, uh, encourage my clients um, to give themselves permission when they're establishing goals to, to imagine it, because if you've never done it before, you, you have to imagine it by default, if you have never done this before, it is your imagination of the outcome that's going to get you there and using your imagination through the whole creative process. So I love the role of imagination and leadership and definitely um, I, the conversation about the shadow is really interesting. 
we, um, uh, I, I, I had never thought, and I love uh, exploring further with you sometime at some other conversation, uh, how you address limiting self-beliefs as just the shadow showing up, huh? Mm-hmm. It's a whole different way of looking at it I had never thought about. Right. Most people spend a lot of time trying to, to kick that shadow out of the way or push that down. But if you will stop doing that and look at your shadow and understand it and validate what it's been trying to do for you all these years, then instead of it becoming like a mean girl, that self-critic, it can become your ally and you can draw from its strength and you have so much more energy to do what you want to do. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, There is no um, denying. I actually have some names for some of my shadow figures. I have more than one. Uh, There's no denying that uh, the more we suppress it, And uh, the more we come to it from a place of fear and lack of trust, um, since this is a deep and intimate part of ourselves, we're going to end up splintered and not trusting ourselves and in a place of deep fear of uh, parts of ourselves that are very vulnerable and very real and have a lot to contribute, especially from the creative standpoint, right? Mm Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. Tamara, this conversation has been wonderful, Uh, just as good as I thought it was going to be. And I know the audience is going to come away with a lot of really deep uh, points. Um, I myself uh, have several points of reflection I'm going to take away from this. So thank you very much for sharing all of uh, all that you've done and all that you think about with us. If you were to share with our listeners one main takeaway that that they could, um, you know, be reflecting on or thinking on that might um, support them in a change and in this in this moment of even dealing with the isolation and fears of, of COVID and the unknown of how we're going to get through the rest of this year, what would that be? I would encourage people to embrace their shadow. And even if they don't feel like they can embrace it, to at least face it. So, and the way to do that is to think about the fear or the limitation and to see if they can find the location of it in or around their body. And then just begin to work with that, with that part of you because if you can, when you can learn to tap into the wisdom and power of it, once it finds out that it doesn't have to protect you anymore, then it can help you make it through COVID or anything else that shows up and can help you become very creative and courageous and help you get great clarity. So just spend some time feeling that where it's located, journal with it, dialogue with it, and uh, ask it for its support. Beautiful. 
Uh, and that that was going to be my big personal takeaway from it. That's why I connected with this last part of the conversation about the shadow so much. Wonderful. Thank you, Tamara, so much. Uh, tell our listeners how they can reach out to you, find out what's going on at Wild Divine Retreat Center. I know as we open up from COVID this year, you're going to start doing some events out there again. Um, how do we find out about everything you're doing and contact you? Well, first of all, I, I just want to spell my name. So it's T-A-M-A-R-A, and then the last name is H-E-R-L. And you can come to my website. It's called becomeyourownguru.com. Or you can send me an email at mindfultamara, that's T-A-M-A-R-A, at gmail.com. So I would love to speak to anyone who resonates or resonated with what we discussed today. And Stefani, I just want to thank you for inviting me to be a guest. Absolutely. Delighted to have you here. My honor, my pleasure. And I know the audience is going to get so much out of this. Thank you, Tamara. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Lead Without Limits. Each week, we bring you stimulating conversations with women who lead in business and their community. If you would like to listen to or download other episodes of Lead Without Limits, go to EWNpodcastNetwork.com. This podcast is also available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and most other major podcast sites. Until next time, remember that as leaders, we have the power to shape the future of society and our planet. We hope you make use of the wisdom you've gained here today to lead without limits in your own life. Thanks for listening. This is the EWN Podcast Network.